Welcome into Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here. And an interesting proposal by the Athletics' James Edwards, who's on the Pistons beat, uh, got us thinking, should the Knicks potentially look to get a mid-tier player rather than just going for this big, all-in, big swing trade for a star? Should they go after someone like a Bojan Bogdanovic or someone in that class with Evan Fournier's expiring contracts? We're going to get into that next on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Lockdown NBA for $20 off your first purchase. And we want to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen to today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking in the sights and sounds on YouTube. We appreciate you making us a part of your daily routine. If you haven't already, make sure you hit the uh, auto-download function on your favorite podcast app or the notification bell on YouTube so you never miss an episode because we're here for you guys five days a week. And I figure we should probably introduce ourselves as well. I'm Alex Wolf. I'm Aaron Chief at Nick's site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. And he is Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. And uh, maybe our favorite outside beat reporter. I don't know. Uh, I really have too many strong opinions on the guy. But James Edwards of The Athletic, Gavin, suggested this trade uh, in a column the other day. I think just I didn't read the whole article, if I'm being completely honest. I think it was just trying to find various trade targets for the Pistons to deal with over the coming months. Uh, But floated this deal, which was Detroit gets their own 2024 first round pick back that the Knicks own, which is pretty heavily protected. And Evan Fournier. And the Knicks get uh, Bojan Bogdanovic, uh, who averaged 22-4-3 last year on 49-41-88 shooting. He is 34 years old, but definitely a scorer and had a really, really good impact on that team last year, I think. Uh, Seems like a good veteran presence. Uh, It just puts the ball in the hoop. I mean, that's, that's straight up it. I would imagine that if the Knicks would go for this sort of deal, that it would probably be like... They would probably want him in the starting lineup with RJ Barrett, uh, I would assume, moving sort of back to the two guard position and just load that starting lineup up with as much scoring as you can. But there's also a world where you could say maybe move quickly into the starting lineup and bring him off the bench as just like the most lethal bench scorer in the NBA, maybe. Uh, if you could bring a 20 point per game guy that does it on that efficiency. But I don't know, Gavin. I, I thought this proposal was interesting and sort of was the impetus for this whole episode, but I figure it's probably best to talk about this this proposal first before we get into potential other targets and if this strategy even makes sense using Fournier in this way. Yeah, it's fascinating, Alex, because I, I, I love the player. I love the fit, but I also don't love the fit. So let me let me let me explain that uh, contradictory statement. Um my whenever he's come up the last like I guess even going back to last year, like my, my question has always been all right, like, are we just replacing Evan Fournier with better Evan Fournier, right? Because the whole reason that Fournier doesn't play is nominally because of his defense. Like, I, I don't think anyone cr- questions his credentials as a shooter. And even though Fournier was was ice cold to start last year and obviously didn't shoot well the one time he got to play this season and was kind of a mixed bag in the preseason, like, I think we know that if we played Evan Fournier over an 82-game season, like, he could probably shoot 41% from three on pretty high volume. He could probably put up maybe not um, the – 
the points that um, Bogdanovich put up, like he, I don't know if he gets to 22, but he gets to like 18 or something. Like, like if we already have a guy who's 85% of the way there. Is it worth trading that pick? And I'm going to, I'm going to say yes, just because I think bogey is a much better inside the arc score. He's height wise, the same size as Fournier, but he's just a little bit sturdier. And the shooting last year was just so volcanic. If he's like even close to that, um, it, you feel like it could transform the Knicks offense. And and the thing with Fournier is like on paper, sure. He could do all the same things at this point. The relationship is so severed. Um, his confidence is so severed that it is, it's, it's just clearly never, ever going to happen in New York. Um, do you want to risk your defense on that? We, we just spent our last episode talking about how the Knicks are currently seventh in the NBA in defense. And I wanted to do my research on this, um, because sometimes like we'll mention a guy like Zach Levine sucks defensively and you know, Bulls fans fly in the comments be like, actually, no, he's, he's really awesome on the end of the floor. You guys would be lucky to have him. Um, and so I, I messaged our friend, uh, Kuka Hill, who hosts, uh, locked on Pistons. Um, and I, I said, hey, random question. What do you think about Bojan's defense? And he responded, um, I hope he's okay with me saying this, quote, it's awful, LOL. And then he started, great shooter and good scorer, though, which which we know. Um, but that just confirmed my fears. Um, and at 34, presumably, it's not going to be any better than it was at age 33. But to your point, Alex, if you're just using him off the bench, that gets mitigated a lot because the Knicks play have a lot of speed, um, a lot of smart defenders in, in a Devo and in Emmanuel Quickly. I'm um, in Isaiah Hardenstein off the bench. So I, I'm, I'm in on it. I, I think it clearly makes the Knicks a better team. Um, we'll talk about the implications of going to a 10-man rotation when it's already hard to find minutes for guys. I think if you're doing this, maybe then you're talking about my proposal for Monday where you're trading Quentin Grimes for a future pick and, and just opening up a spot that way. Um, so I, I think there'd have to be a corresponding move because the minutes crunch just gets too crazy. Um, but from a talent perspective, like, yeah, having that dude come off your bench and, and close some games, when he's hitting threes like that, that is the luxury of all luxuries. Yeah. I think there's a world too, where if you go to the 10 man rotation, we'll discuss this more, but if you can find the right mix, you know, I know that tips has a, a bit of a, a love of if, if he has a 10 man rotation and just do the full on hockey shifts where he gets everybody in and out within like 30 seconds of game time, you know, and wants to get that full starting unit out there and that full bench unit out there. But if you could throw a bench unit out there, that's, like, I guess at that point it would be DiVincenzo, Grimes, uh, Bogdanovich, and Hart and Hartenstein. I mean, that's that could be a starting lineup on some teams, you know, like on, on better better than the Pistons, quite possibly. <laughs> quite possibly, yeah. I mean, so that's palatable. That's more than palatable, and that has more than enough defense at four out of five positions to make up for what you would lose with Bogdanovich, which maybe can't be said for that starting lineup, if you put them out there with Brunson, RJ, Randall, and Mitch, you know, then it's like, oh, well, you're taking what used to be a really solid defensive spot in Quentin Grimes and replacing it with Bogdanovich. But if you then say, well, no, this is the opportunity to get quickly some more minutes and that starting spot finally, then you just create a 10-man rotation where maybe DiVincenzo gets the shaft some nights, maybe Bogdanovich gets the shaft some nights. I, I would not mind Josh Hart playing less right now. Maybe Josh Hart gets the shaft some nights, you know, because that's the other thing about Bogdanovich. He's big enough that you could credibly throw him out there as the backup four if you wanted to uh, for some stretches, if you want to go a little smaller. And, you know, we've seen in the past that that does help some guys that are a little too slow footed to still defend the wing. If you throw them at the four, they can do that in spot minutes and, you know, at least hold their own enough. If they're big enough to hold down a guy, you know, in the post like that. So I, I kind of like it, you know, I, I like this. I, 
I wasn't necessarily thinking about Bogdanovich a lot um, prior to this proposal, but it did kind of get me thinking overall about the the overall question of like, should the Knicks be looking to capitalize on this expiring deal um, that they have in Fournier? Because otherwise it kind of just goes away. And in, in that regard, I think that, I think you could do a lot worse than Bogdanovich. Let's put it that way. Like, I think if you can basically turn so I looked up the protections on the Pistons pick just because I wanted to refresh my memory. It's protected yeah. still like one to 18 this year. Then I think one to 13 next year, one to 10 the year after that. And then like one to seven the year after that. And if it doesn't convey after that, then they just get a second round pick. Wait, Yeah. So that's hold up one second. That's my concern here. Like, yeah, does this have value to the Pistons? Because the Pistons know that the Pistons suck. So that's that's my that's my hesitancy. I know, and this was to in your defense, this was not you coming up with this. This was the Pistons, like top beat writer, coming up with this. So maybe they would have interest in that just just as an asset. But I think that's where my like that's where I'm like I'm wondering if this is too good to be true. I guess I look at it and I'm like, top eighteen protection is pretty wild. There's no way that's going to convey this year. And then top thirteen protection. It seems like the Pistons are coming along a lot slower than we thought. They're certainly not the Thunder, or the Magic, or any of these teams this year. They're like exploding with their young talent, and you know, or the Rockets even. You know, like they're not one of these teams that has all this young talent that's putting it all together on the fly this year. Maybe you get it conveyed to you by the year when it's like top nine or top ten protected or whatever, three years down the line. But do you really concern yourself with that now when you have like a pretty credible fun window you can capitalize on right now and still plenty of other draft picks that you can use? That's kind of where I stand on that. You know, I just think. Oh, no. So I, I, I was saying, would, would Detroit want to do it? Oh, I think they would just want it just to control their own picks again. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, just to get something better, I guess, is I guess is the question from someone. Else I guess. I mean, because if they get that pick back, then when you have a pick that's that far protected out like that, it severely restricts what you could do in other trades. That's a great point. You have to take it. You have to take into account future protections. So since they protected that so far out, they can't include their own pick in anything for quite some time. Not that I think they would necessarily want to, but maybe things do click next year. Then they have this pick that's all tied up and they can't trade it. Uh, so maybe that's that would be appealing to them. I don't know. Uh, but I think it's mostly just that they have a guy that they don't have much interest in playing and, you know, who's good. But as we've talked about, like probably not good enough to be more than a, a really good bench player on an actually good team. And I think that's about the price for a guy like that. Yeah. I don't know, let me let me make one good. one final argument in favor of it here. They need shooting more than any team in recent NBA history needs shooting, which would be the ultimate case for keeping Bogdanovich. But Fournier, in terms of a replacement, like that's kind of the closest facsimile of him you could get in a deal like this while also getting back um, to your point, what's a very valuable asset in their own first round pick. Because a lot of other teams don't just have like an $18 million a year high level shooter to just do in a one for one trade. So Fournier is such a negative for other teams in trades. For the Pistons, he might actually be pretty appealing because I, I think he would go there, Alex. And I think he would like obviously they, they have Sasser who's who's shooting the lights out, but um I, I think he'd go there and probably play 34 minutes a game. He would be in heaven and the Pistons would be in heaven just 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 to give Cade like just a little bit of oxygen that he, he desperately needs at this point. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if there's ever a team that could just give Fournier some minutes and just say, just shoot it, that's all we need you to do, just kind of build up our our future stars, you know, confidence right now by making some three pointers. We don't care what you do on defense. You know, it could work out pretty good.
Uh, and you so, reunite Fournier and Alec Burks. 21-22 Knicks. Everyone was begging for them to be back, and they're finally that's back. <laughs> that's what everyone always wanted was yep. to bring that team back. You know, Sign Kemba, and, and they're set. Yeah, Most loved team. You know, they could have kept him, but they didn't. Know, you know, They could have kept Kemba last year, and they, they chose not to. So that's on them at this point for not reuniting the 21-22 Knicks. Uh, but there are some other names we wanted to bring up. Uh, maybe a Jonathan Isaac, maybe a Marcus Smart. Uh, maybe a Gordon Hayward. Tibbs would certainly be really happy. So we're going to talk through a few other names that the Knicks could potentially go over uh, with Evan Fournier to you know, try to make something happen with his expiring contract, even if it's not as part of a star trade. And then we'll finish off by talking about uh, the viability of the Knicks potentially moving out to a 10-man rotation and what a deal like this would mean for them going forward. But first, I got to remind you all that today's show is brought to you by Game Time. And I'll tell you what, guys, you should not have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event, especially if you want to buy last minute tickets. That's certainly my brand of ticket buying. I'm not a guy who uh, plans things very well. I'm a spur of the moment vibes kind of person. So I might just wake up one day and be like, man, today feels like a day to go to a Knicks game and then go ahead and buy tickets to the Knicks game that night. But sometimes you go on those other sites and the tickets are price gouged all like crazy and just makes it not a fun time to try to get into Madison square garden or wherever your favorite place that you want to get into is because game time also works for Broadway and all kinds of other great places, but uh, you can get last minute tickets, flash deals and zone deals. And it's easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. This is one of my favorite things too. You can see the view from your seat before you buy. So you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. And all-in prices show your total upfront, so you know you're getting a great deal without hidden fees. And you could buy tickets in seconds with two taps. So you could be like on your walk to Madison Square Garden and get yourself in the building, which is pretty sweet. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-B-A for $20 off. Download game time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. All right, and we're back in, Gavin, and keep talking about potential trade targets here. And, you know, we love we love doing this. I certainly do. I love just combing the league and being like, maybe this guy can make the Knicks better. Maybe this guy good too. And I'll throw one name at you to start here. This is a guy that I know you've brought up in the past uh, and we've talked about before, uh, but I think it maybe becomes more feasible now. Jonathan Isaac I isn't playing a huge role in Orlando right now. They're playing really, really well otherwise. I mean, they're they're way exceeding expectations so far this year, I think. He's playing just kind of a spot role. I think that he could be useful to the Knicks. You know, if if, say, Orlando is willing to take that Detroit pick or whatever and just be like, hey – we're a team that does not attract free agents. We're clearly on the rise, like building up the war chest as much as possible right now would be a good thing because the way that you get players to Orlando is you, tr you draft them or you trade for them. That's pretty much it. Uh, so if they decide that they want to build up the war chest a little bit, maybe they get rid of Isaac. I think he gives you a nice actual four man behind Julius Randall in case you need one. You know, we've already seen sometimes Josh Hart just doesn't quite cut it for those minutes that you want as the backup for, you know, Isaac gives you that opportunity to have someone out there who's at least on paper, pretty good on defense. You know, I think he's diminished a little bit thanks to the injuries over the last few years, but still as a bench player, not half bad. Um, also gives you some injury insurance if Randall 
would be to get hurt, you know, to have a more traditional foreman to throw out there in that spot. But I don't know. I think he, he could be an interesting target to go after. Yeah, Alex, I got to watch him live and we, we can bleep this out Brooklyn um, the other week. And um, yeah, yeah, just hope, hopefully no, no kids were listening. Um, but uh, he he looked a little out of sorts to me offensively. It's pretty clear after missing. Essentially, I, I think he pretty much did miss like two and a half years. Like because he, he got hurt in the bubble. Right. And then and then like mm-hmm. really like sort of came back at the end of last season, but not really. And I know because he was on my fantasy team. Um He's still not in a rhythm on offense. And it looked like that was a part of his game that at least was starting to develop a bit um, before he got hurt. And it, it's it's a shame what happened to him from an injury perspective. Because I, I thought he was in line to maybe be the single best defensive player in basketball, just like a one through five record of everything. Like like every everything people talk about with um, – I always forget which one's which, but I'm pretty sure Jalen McDaniels um, right now, whichever one – is on uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, it is Jalen, uh, Jaden McDaniels. Damn it. Every time I pick the wrong one. Um, everything people say about Jaden McDaniels, like Jonathan Isaac was that, like with super soldier serum. Like he he was just a monster defensively. And, and that part of his game, to your point, is maybe 15, 20% less than it was. You're still talking about an upper echelon defender in the NBA. Um, and, and I think that would be transformative for the Knicks because that is like, um, I, I talked about coming out of that, Pelicans game and, and uh, that's the Celtics game, the Timberwolves games a couple different times this season where the Knicks lack of size and athleticism against some of the premier teams in the league really stood out. That is the whole direction the NBA is going. Of course, you want that size plus plus shooting and, and basketball IQ. And, and maybe Isaac isn't totally there um, from a full spectrum perspective of what you're looking for. But as a defender, it, like it just in terms of a mold of player, the Knicks desperately need someone like that. You can match him up with Evan Fournier's contract. The Magic, it gives them more shooting that they could certainly use. It returns a hometown hero to Orlando. Um, th- th- this podcast really should be titled uh, What Would Make Evan Fournier the Happiest? Because that would be a great option. And and I think Isaac, even if he's only like normally playing 10 minutes a game and he's sort of breaking case of emergency, that'd be good. Does have a $17 million um contract or, or year left on his contract next season but it's non-guaranteed so the knicks could get out of it um so i i i like it i've always i've always really enjoyed his work all right moving to another pair of players uh, one i'm just kind of throwing in here just because i throw them in every time i get a chance but marcus smart on the on the grizzlies <laughs> i just saw who the second name is go ahead <laughs> and then the second one is brandon clark uh <laughs> I'll get Clark out of the way. I, yeah. I I would love to take a flyer on the guy. You know, he's probably not going to be back until late this season, but could be good for your playoff push. Again, similar to like what Isaac gives you, just another guy you could throw out there at the four who's good on defense, who's multi-positional uh, on defense, but has some struggles on offense. But, you know, I, I think would be a good addition to the team. Granted, you don't know what his health is going to be like, but uh big thing with him he signed for 12 and a half million for the next four years i believe and so if you can have a guy on a contract like that who's a good nba player that's that sort of just allows you to kick can down the road uh as far as the trade chip portion of things which is where you're at with fournier right now where it's kind of dire because he's at the end of his contract and you know if you don't trade him this year then that trade chip goes away that salary just poofs and then he's for sure gone because he's never coming back to New York again, uh, unless maybe it's for the Nets. Uh, but Marcus Smart, I think I, I wrote this out as uh, pick the corpse of Memphis if they're willing to throw in the towel for this year. I mean, they're they're really bad so far, um, you know. And and obviously they've had injury issues and John Morant issues, 
and things of that nature and and you know haven't been able to uh be full strength yet but they're in a pretty big hole that they're gonna have to dig out of so if they reach a point where they say you know what i don't think we're getting out of this hole maybe they decide to sell off a little bit for this year and you know try to reload because again not a premier free agent destination in memphis usually how you get people there is to trade for them marcus smart I'm inclined to say I dislike the guy because he played for the Celtics for so long and tormented the Knicks for so many years. But um, I don't know what I'm trying to think of a saying. I was, I was, I had the enemy of my enemy is my friend on the tip of my tongue, but that doesn't fit here. But you know, once my enemy becomes my friend, he's no longer my enemy or something. I don't know. Is that that a a real phrase? Uh, I just made it up. Um, uh, the first one is real. The second one I made up. Yeah. It's not yeah, right. But, sure. Yeah. No, I, I, I bought it. Yeah. Go ahead. But yeah. So I, I think, I think if you can get a guy like Marcus smart, he's the type of guy that is a versatile defender uh, could come in off the bench or start. And, you know, maybe this is a deal where you have to do like Fournier and Grimes or something like that. Maybe this is a deal where you part with Grimes, but I think it would be worth it. Potentially. I, as much as I dislike the guy from his Celtics time, he, he leads to winning basketball more times than not with his defensive acumen. He's a good passer when he's hitting his threes. He's a, a, a five tool player out there. I mean, he does everything that you could want him to do. Uh, so I would go after him if, if he becomes available, which I think would be slightly more likely if the Grizzlies keep losing like they have been. Yeah. I think, I think it would be painful to trade Grimes for him only because he's not totally on the Knicks timeline. Like he's not, it's not like he's super old. He's still, he's still 29. He's going to turn um, 30 before the end of the year. It just seems like he like listening as someone who's a, um, I'm embarrassed to admit this, but uh, a frequent listener of Bill Simmons. Um, it, it, it feels like he maybe peaked like about a year and a half ago or, or two years ago. And, and just because he's maybe slid on the floor like a few thousand times over the course of his NBA career, like his lower body is just wearing down just a bit. And he might not have that same burst. And we've seen it as a real fall point on the Celtics. Like when he's on the court, he does some incredible things and has some amazing moments. But he also um, has a tendency to want to be the guy who has the ball in his hands late, want to take the last shot. I I think New York is just so far Jalen Brunson's town, obviously, um, Jason Tatum had that. But Jason Tatum was, was, was young and so much younger than smart for a lot of his time there. I don't think that'd be a major issue. And to your point, like I, I think there's no argument the Knicks would be a better team this year. I, I guess the question is just how much better. Um, but depending on what you think about Grimes, it's 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 not the highest risk trade in the world. And as a as a win now move, like I I, I the Knicks are already so annoying to play in the playoffs, and, and that just triples the annoying factor. So it it would be it would be cool to watch. I I'd, I'd be curious to see how it worked out. Yeah, I would be too. Uh, I would have to really. Uh, I, I probably have to go scrub my Twitter timeline, make sure that I didn't have any <laughs> bad things about Marcus Smart uh, on yeah. there from back in the day. Uh, but I, I think it would be an interesting move for sure for uh, the Knicks. I have a couple other names that I want to throw at you, Gavin, and then we can just kind of talk the merits of potentially stretching out to a 10-man rotation. If the Knicks did make a move like this, where they just bring in a guy who's not a superstar, but who could potentially help them win this year, but obviously would need some playing time. Uh, but first, do you want to let everyone know about FanDuel Sportsbook? I would love nothing more, Alex. Um, as the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. 
That's 150 bucks. Oh my, I, I read that number basically every day and I never believe it. If your team wins, if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over, under, and more. Alex, where my eyes went today because um, we're recording this um, ahead of time, so I didn't have the, the latest Knicks odds. Um, I went to division winners and I scrolled through, I scrolled through, I tried to find something I liked. And I found the New Orleans Pelicans, who are plus 260 to win the Southwest Division. The Dallas Mavericks, still the heavy favorites at minus 210. I just don't buy it with the Dallas Mavericks. I, I, I don't think they're that good. Um, I don't think the way they've won this year is very sustainable. I think they have two awesome players and, and just not a lot else. Um, I don't think there's any world where they win that division. I think the Rockets are, are good, but ultimately too young. Um, the Grizzlies and Spurs are are bad, um, and the Grizzlies are, are going to get healthy too late. The Pelicans are getting Trey Murphy back really soon. He is going to have a breakout year. Zion, uh, knock on wood, has been healthy. Uh, so I, I actually really like that number. I, I, might, I might go throw some money down that, Alex, in a second. We get off this podcast, and to do so, I will visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off both the NFL and the NBA season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Okay, uh, let's finish up, Alex. You were kind enough to put a few more names on here. Uh, the first one is someone I really like, uh, Malcolm Brogdon. So it was kind of funny all summer where, where the Celtics were. Um, obviously, they weren't loudly shopping Marcus Smart, but th- those were sort of the two names that were um, in discussion to be traded. And, and there wasn't really a world where either of them um, at least immediately ended up on the Knicks. But at least in my head, I I was sort of going back and forth on like, all right, who would I rather have? And, and Smart is such an interesting fit next to Jalen Brunson. Like we, we touched on it a bit last segment, but as, as a big defender, as someone who can certainly hit an open three, be a secondary playmaker, like he, he just brings a lot of stuff to the table. Brogdon is more of a pure scorer. And I, I'm curious, like the overlap between him and Emmanuel quickly, that would, that would sort of be my concern there, that it would just be a little bit too much. And, and, and would you, would you just get more out of simply starting Emmanuel quickly but we, we know, as we discussed um, on Monday's ep- or Tuesday's episode, Tom Thibodeau doesn't have an appetite for that. Even though I would argue just about every universe, Quickly is a better defender than Brogdon. Brogdon is, I, I believe, two inches taller than Emmanuel Quickly. And that might make all the difference in Tom Thibodeau's mind. And, and his shooting, um, his creation, his ability to break down a defense and get to the rim, that would just be better than anyone outside of Jalen Brunson and maybe Julius Randle on this team. Um, there, there's a lot of good stuff that he could bring to the table for the Knicks. Yeah, I think my biggest thing too when I was looking through and and wound up putting him on this list is just I'm of the belief you can never have too many talented players. I think that we see every single year the the teams that make it the furthest are the ones that are most built to withstand injuries and you know still have someone competent that they can dust off and throw out there and get you, you know, good minutes and and give you good playing time. And the Knicks I think they have great depth in the sense that if everyone stays healthy, their their bench is fantastic and everything is, you know, sunshine and roses. And they have like the best bench in the league, arguably, and one of the most deep teams in the league, you know, from one to nine. But then once you get outside of that top nine, it gets a little more dicey. You're you're having to, you know, roll the dice a bit with like Deuce McBride or or someone like that that, you know, is a little less of a known commodity. And you're kind of like banking on like, okay, well, if the shooting comes around this year, then cool. But if not, then it makes things a little more difficult in that bench unit, you know, if you need more shooting or whatever. So if you get a guy like a Brogdon, I I mean, look, in my ideal world, it would just end with basically 
a, a very similar thing to what we were saying with Bogdanovich, which would just be just make Brogdon your your bench guy and move quickly to the starting lineup. It makes way more sense that way. Quickly's better as a defender. Quickly's a little less high maintenance, you know, as far as needing the ball in his hands and stuff like that. Brogdon has tons of experience with running second units and stuff. Obviously, he stole the six man of the year from Emmanuel Quickly last year, so he knows all about that. Um, so yeah, I, I think it would be a, a good move for them, if, especially if Portland is already like, well, we've made you know two moves already off of Damian Lillard, you know, Lillard and then Drew Holiday. Like, how much more value can we really squeeze out of this deal at this point? And just say, you know what? Yeah, sure. Another protected first round pick and Evan Fournier, that's good enough for us. You know, we'll take that along with maybe a couple of the seconds that the Knicks have or something for Malcolm Brogdon. But uh, it, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see. I think that his trade window opens up pretty soon. I think somewhere around the December 15th uh, trade window where guys that were signed over the summer are allowed to uh, be traded as well. So It'll be interesting to see what kind of market he has once he reaches that point where he's able to be traded. Uh, but Gavin, I'll throw one last name out there. This one will make Tibbs really happy. Uh, and that's Gordon Hayward. He always talks up Gordon Hayward every time that the the Hornets are in town. And obviously the Knicks made a run at this guy just a couple of years ago. He is an expiring deal. So you're. I guess that's the other thing I forgot to bring up about Brogdon. He has another year left, which is useful. Yeah. You know, I do think that part of this Fournier thing, part of what you should consider if you're trying to make a deal is how many years does the person you're bringing back have left on their deal? Because that could be useful for trade discussions later on. If you're really going to try to go big game hunting, like after this season and go try to trade for, you know, a big star somewhere, whether it's like Joel Embiid or whatever, it's good to have those big salaries around. So Gordon Hayward doesn't give you that. He's an expiring deal, unfortunately, but Tibbs does love him. He's still a good all around player. I mean, he had a really solid stretch right before the Knicks basically like, uh, ended that for him. He was playing some really good basketball uh, for a couple weeks and, you know, still has the ability to score, is a good distributor, can rebound the ball pretty well for his size. Obviously, the defense is, you know, not what it used to be with him, but I think he's still a pretty solid player. I mean, I would, uh, it, the only problem here is I guess the Knicks would have to include some other salary to balance the books here because Fournier doesn't make enough to match Hayward's like 30 some odd million dollar salary. Yeah. But if you can make the numbers work and come out unscathed, you know, if you just include like the end of the bench guys or whatever, um, you know, sorry to uh, whoever's holding down those spots at this point. I, I forget who's Juan who's Jeffries, a, Charlie Brown Jr. Yeah, Daquan and, and Charlie Brown Jr. I guess maybe Jericho Sims, although that would be kind of sad. I don't know if I would want to do that. But, you know, if you could balance the, the checkbook out a little bit, I, I wouldn't hate it. I just I do wonder because of how much Tibbs loves Hayward, if that would then basically guarantee you like, well, Emmanuel <laughs> quickly and guys like that are never going to get enough minutes now because Tibbs is going to want to give this guy like 33 minutes a game. Uh, but Tibbs has surprised us before, so maybe it could work out. Yeah. I think, I think my biggest concern is just, the, is just the number 31 and a half million. Like it, it, it's tough to cobble the contracts together to get there. Maybe, maybe it would take some kind of three team deal. Um, but if the Knicks could do it, I, I think he would be awesome. Like we, we've we've talked a lot about how the Knicks are, are leaning into being a more ball movement heavy team this year. And I think Hayward is just such a clean fit in that he's he's just an exceptionally 
high IQ player. And I still like this, this sounds um, weird to say as someone who hates the Celtics, like it's, it's one of the, 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 maybe not the greatest, but it's a tragedy in my basketball viewing lifetime that we didn't get to see him that first year in Boston, just because I thought that team was so much fun, like with Kyrie, um, him, Jalen Brown, Al Horford, and like, and everything that they had going on that year, that, that just seemed on paper, like just a fascinating team. And then I think Hayward was slightly diminished when he came back and it never totally worked out in Boston. But the idea of seeing him on a really loaded team is awesome because he, he just always seemed to me to be the type of star, and, and now he's not he's not really a star anymore, but in his prime, the type of star that could scale back his game to fit in with a better team. And because of the way things worked in Boston, we, we just we didn't get to see it. And I think New York would sort of be a late career version of that for him where he would be playing with guys who are just across the board very solid. And the fact that he could, to your point, do a little bit of everything on the basketball court – he could really, really lean into that. Another guy who could get the Knicks like a, a one-on-one bucket in a pinch because he, he's still capable of doing that, especially if he's going against the third best defender on another team. Um, I, I think he's a really good basketball fit. It's it just sort of the same questions we have with all of these other guys. And, and that's where we'll finish up the show, Alex. Um, is there room for him in the rotation? And and I think I, I've almost come around on the idea that a true 10-man rotation like it would, it would honestly be very reminiscent of those '70s teams, where, where obviously they were they were somewhat heavy, top heavy, but like especially the second championship team was was pretty deep. Like you had guys like Jerry Lucas in the mix, you had Earl Monroe added on, like Phil Jackson at that point was was, was far more than a bit player, like he was pretty significant. You had the Minutemen on the first team, the Mike Riordans of the world. And I don't just say this as a history lesson. Like I, I just think that would be a fun model for the Knicks, where you really could have five in, five out, and like almost almost no drop-off depending on how you mix up the lineups and, and and win in like a major way with your depth. And, and the only question and point I have against that is one, like who's unhappy, like who, who who's, who's just demanding a trade this off season because their minutes are reduced even further when it's already so much of a crunch on the wing. And then the other one is, does that depth matter as much in the playoffs where everyone just starts playing seven, eight man rotations anyways? I think the depth matters in the playoffs, just in the sense of what I said before of like, it, once you hit the point where injuries start hitting and one injury can potentially derail your whole playoffs. I mean, look, look at quickly last year, right? The Knicks could have used someone. Exactly. Like quickly last year, Randall last year, you know, when yeah. Randall was hurt, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's a situation where you, you need as many good warm bodies as you can, that you can count on. So that you don't have to do something desperate, like go down to a six man rotation or, potentially seven men where you're wearing guys out and having guys have to play like 48 minutes like the Knicks did with two different guys in the playoffs last year. Uh, Maybe the solution is to go for someone with Fournier's deal that's a little less high maintenance than some of these guys that we outlined here. Like these are all guys that are like either guys that have had some former glory, like Bogdanovich has been a really good scorer for years now, dating back to like the Pacers. Um you know, like Marcus Smart is obviously a guy that won Defensive Player of the Year a couple years ago. He would have huge expectations for himself as far as minutes and stuff. Like Isaac was a, a high draft pick that really had things going for him before the injuries. Hayward obviously was signed to be a superstar in, in Charlotte, you know, and that just never quite worked out. You know, I, I think maybe if you just look to kick the can down the road a bit, that would be the smarter strategy. But just get someone who is a little better of a player than Evan Fournier to take that salary slot and to maybe give you an extra year to play around with that salary slot and see if you can include that for a bigger deal. Cause it would be a shame, you know, for a team that is uh, on 
mostly value contracts for the Knicks right now, you know, where it's kind of hard to cobble together that big superstar offer. It would be a shame to see an $18 million contract like that just poof with nothing, you know, no return for it when they could have potentially, you know, traded him and gotten some player back or just some form of an asset back to, you know, move forward with, uh, with the team. But as far as like the 10 man rotation thing, I think, yeah, it's risky. You know, I, I think that it, you risk Tibbs potentially leaning into his worst tendencies, which would suck. Uh, or you risk a, a thing where he says, okay, well, we're still going to go nine man. And this new guy will be in the nine man. And now, you know, Dante DiVincenzo is not getting any minutes or something. And that would be a shame too, because DiVincenzo is having a really good year so far. Uh, and even Josh Hart for like as much as he hasn't been having as good of a year this year as last year, because he kind of set a really high standard with the Knicks last year, but like he's playing well enough that he should be getting minutes. You know, it's, it would be a shame if then someone comes in and he gets relegated to not getting any minutes or you have like Emmanuel quickly suffer and get even less minutes or whatever the case may be. Um, so it, there's pros and cons. I think ultimately if you can add some more talent though, it's not a bad thing because you always want to be prepared for later in the season or even during the season when, you know, the, the stuff hits the fan and uh, you have to be ready for, for those sort of situations. So I guess we'll see how it goes for the Knicks, uh, you know, and whether they decide to address the Fournier contract situation or if they just say, you know what, whatever, we'll see what we could do by the trade deadline, but then probably just buy him out so he can sign with some other team for the stretch run of the season if he wants to. Maybe that's what they end up doing. Um, but my hope would be that they could potentially attach some form of asset to him and get a decent player back because even if you're not going for a superstar, I think just adding more talent whenever you can is is always a good move in the NBA. Yeah, let me let me end, end on this. Um, you, your your window in the NBA is often shorter than you think it is. And, and I think as people who cover this team, I think for Knicks fans out there, they think um, this is just getting started. And there, there's good reason for that, right? Like we, we said it, the Knicks were, um, in terms of average age, two years younger than anyone else who made the second round of the playoffs last year. So that was really, really promising. But sometimes things close quick, like um, guys don't develop the way you hope they do. And all of a sudden, um, you're, you're not that good anymore. And I think there's a world, again, where like whether it is like, I think to, to me, out of everyone we went over, like smart Hayward Bogdanovich are probably the names that stand out the most in terms of having an ability to like make the Knicks substantially better than they already are. Um, we, we just talked about last show. The Knicks are what like sixth in the NBA in, in point differential so far. They're a top 10 offense, a top 10 defense. Even if their record doesn't say it, they have the they have the metrics of a dark horse championship contender. Do I think that's reality? No, I, I just don't think they have enough frontline talent. But in a world where they add one more really, really good guy to this mix and you get to a point where, where everyone is fresh every single night and you always have five good players to close with because just someone is going to be playing well on that given night. And, and you, I think most importantly, you elevate the ceiling of the offense just a little bit more um, because we, that was just such an issue in the playoffs last year where the Knicks totally tanked and didn't have enough shooting on that end of the floor. There's a world where you could be facing the Boston Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals. And then who knows, you're one, one injury away for making the NBA Finals. Now that's dreaming, that's best case scenario, but I, I do think there's a case for going all in. And if the price of going all in is Evan Fournier and like a crummy first round pick, um, sign me up for that. So I, I started off this podcast, Alex, not super interested in this idea, if I'm being honest, and and, and slowly but surely I, I got convinced. So call it a successful pod, at least at least for the other person on it. Yep, I wore you down. Just like it's it's my, my trademark uh, skill here. 
yeah. on this podcast where are you down with just throwing a bunch of names at you over and over yeah, <laughs> yeah and do it late at night so like i'm a little i'm just a little bit woozy and out of him like yeah that sounds it's good. perfect yeah. Second, Gordon Hayward, second, yeah he won't he won't get hurt no, no second way. part of a back-to-back yeah. as we're yeah. as we're mass recording this is the perfect time to do this and change your mind about something yeah Anyway, hopefully we changed your minds as well. Or maybe we didn't. If we didn't, yell at us in the comments like you always do. Anyway, thanks for listening. And we will talk to you all soon. Peace out, everyone.